Welcome to another edition of the Forkstown Podcast, your one-stop shop for anything and everything surrounding the Seattle Mariners baseball team. I'm your host, Rick Clark, and with me, as always, the general manager of the Kansas City Royals and MVP Baseball 2004 and 2005, Bo Chisholm. Bo, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing phenomenal. These uh, these intros just keep getting better and better. So, um, <clears throat> no, I'm doing awesome. Um, gearing up for the winter meetings in a couple of weeks where we're going to get some exciting baseball news, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, man, it's that time of year. So, looking forward to it. It certainly is. Speaking of winter meetings, are you guys getting snow over in Seattle yet? We're supposed to get some snow, I think, uh tomorrow the the 29th and then maybe a little bit on the 30th but uh yeah then the whole city will shut down and everybody will just be back inside just like quarantine all over again god they would not love it here it is just dumping snow on us currently we set up for christmas today and i just didn't want to look outside it looked terrible so yeah. Well, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have set up for Christmas. It probably probably brought the snow to you. We gotta blame. We gotta blame that on Abby. We gotta blame that on Abby. So, <laughs> before we get into uh, what we got today, thank you guys for joining us with, for another uh, episode of the podcast. Um, you know, if you're a returning customer of ours, welcome back. If you're new, welcome to the show. Um, you know, we. Uh, We've been doing this, what, five, six weeks now, and we're having a blast with it. And, uh, you know, we we certainly enjoy everyone um, playing our podcast and, you know, listening in on it. Um, if you haven't already done this, uh, we've got some social media we're going to plug. Uh, we're currently still on Twitter at Forks Down Pod. That might change in the future. Um, you know, we'll let you guys know if we do that. Um, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram. Just got to search Forks Down Podcast. Um, also hit like and subscribe on your current podcast listening uh, app, you know, whether that be Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, Anchor, any of that. Go ahead, like and subscribe. You'll get updates on when we drop new episodes. Um, I think, you know, going forward, we've made it pretty known that we're going to drop these on Tuesday usually Tuesday night, afternoon, night, somewhere in there, but it'll always be on Tuesday, um, you know, once a week. So, yeah, um, you know, uh, going forward, awesome. Like I, I feel like I plugged that enough for us. Um, Bo, it, it, after an exciting week last week, uh, you know, not really much movement this week with the team, um, you know, it kind of, Mariners are interested in everyone, but uh, you know I, I feel like a lot of the uh, thunder has come from different teams. You know what? Uh, you know, with the the big blow being Carlos Santana going to the Pirates, maybe not a blow, but certainly a surprise. Yeah, I think it's a surprise. I don't think it's a surprise that he signed someplace else. I think the surprise is that he signed with the the Pirates because. I mean, who signs with the Pirates, right? I mean, historically. Um, so uh, I think that was the surprise. Um, I think Carlos Santana's, you know, still going to have a pretty good year there. Um, you know, happy to see him get a little contract. 
probably wasn't a good fit. Like after we got Teoscar Hernandez, who I think is going to play a lot of um, DH next year, right? Um, I think that that certainly lessened the chances that we were going to bring Carlos Santana back. But um, no, a good little deal overall for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that Pirates team actually might be fun next year to watch. So um, probably going to watch some more Pirates games anyways. So They're going to have a first baseman in every position. It's going to be awesome to watch since they signed four of them this offseason. So mm-hmm. just continue with it and just sign all first basemen. Go get Yuri Gurriel. I would have said go get Jose Abreu, but heaven forbid he had to go to the Astros. Yeah, I mean, right on cue there, right? We're we're going to be diving into our uh, our AL West, a couple of our AL West foes today. Yep. And um, yeah, I think Jose Abreu, um, you know, the three years, the $60 million or just under $60 million. Um, kind of looking at it, like it made it actually makes a lot of sense if you kind of like I've taken a look at the Astros this week and, um, you know, we'll certainly dive into more of them, right? And oh, it yeah. makes a lot of sense for what the Astros are looking for. Again, I would have liked to see him probably become a Mariner because I just think he does. He's going to bat fourth in the middle of the Astros order, right? Like oh, yeah. would have been like a perfect bat for the Mariners too. But again, I think once we got to Oscar, um, it became less certain that we were actually going to get Abreu. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I think that was probably the, probably the best place like for him in terms of like the money that he was going to get for the years as well. So it all makes sense. It certainly wasn't the best uh, best place for him in my heart, though. So, sorry, uh, Abreu, you're dead to me. Just can't do it. And shout out to Cody Esman, our friend who listens to the podcast. Uh, sorry about your White Sox. You know, now you've got to uh, deal with Andrew Vaughn at first base. So, I'm sure that'll be a fun experiment. Um Moving forward there from that, uh, Mariners did make one pickup. They got Trevor Gott. Uh, I don't know much about him, Bo. What what can you tell me about him? Because I, uh, I know he's a pitcher. That's about as much as I know. Sure. So he um, came into the league in 2015. Um, he's kind of bounced around with a couple teams here or there. He was with the Angels, then he was with the Nationals, then he was with the Giants. Um, and most recently he was with, uh, Milwaukee this last season. Um, he had, a he had, a, he had a minor injury kind of in th- during the seasons at some time, I think in the, like around the August time frame, I want to say where mm-hmm. he was out for a couple weeks, um, came back and pitched pretty well. Um, I think the thing with, uh, God is that, um, He's been pretty. He was he was pretty effective out of the bullpen this year. Um, I think the four fourteen ERA. Um, I think he's a little better than what he had in twenty twenty two. Like his left on base percentage was quite low. Like we would expect that to go up. Um, but he's become like a fastball, uh, kind of a fastball cutter pitcher, right? I think he throws the cutter about a third of the time. Mixes it in with a fastball. It's about ninety five miles per hour. Um, so I think it's a, like a typical kind of, I would say, good bullpen arm, right? Mm-hmm. I think the one thing to kind of watch out for him is that um, he he struggles against left-handed pitching quite a bit, right? So you mean line, left-handed hitting? Against, 
Yes, left-handed. Oh, okay. Yes, thank you. Yes, yeah, that yeah. probably made more sense. Yeah. Um, the the uh, yeah the I mean versus versus righties right his line is two twenty five three hundred and a three sixty seven slug with a two eighty nine weighted on base percentage right mm-hmm. pretty solid but then once he faces left-handers it goes up to a two sixty two average three thirty six on base percentage and a four forty eight slug with that three thirty five weighted on base average so. That's a little rough if you're. So I'm just saying. I think that what that means is that the Mariners are certainly in need for a for a left-handed pitcher to come and join this team because I don't think I want to put Gott in there against a lot of left-handers and with the three-pitcher minimum now or the three-hitter minimum now, um, it might it might kind of hinder Gott a little bit there if he has to face more left-handers. But still, I think a good get. And um, you know, the Mariners have had luck with these guys in the past. What I'm hearing from you, Bo, is. He's definitely not the pitcher we should have brought in to face Jordan in game one of the ALDS. So, um, do, yes, you, do you feel like correct. this might be a, re, a reclam? Well, I wouldn't call it a reclamation project, but like, I mean, not that he's unknown. He could come into this bullpen and do big things, you know, be another Paul Seawald, right? Like, you know, we go and sign these no name pitchers or these forgotten pitchers and they come out and, do really well so yeah i mean we've talked before right that's kind of what jury does is he finds guys that maybe not maybe don't fit an exact you know closed down like lockdown reliever coming out of the pen and then they kind of end up being that so like jerry's had just had a lot of luck with that um so we'll see um like we said like we've said before the mayors have in the past or like in the last couple of years seem like they've figured something out on the pitching side right so if you know God's got a full healthy season ahead of him, um, you know maybe there's a good chance that he kind of cuts back on the home runs. Maybe he does a little bit better left against left-handers. Right, we've certainly seen it before. So um, I think it'll be uh, it'll be an interesting case to see what kind of occurs with him. But um, I think the big thing is is that Mariners are super right-handed heavy in the bullpen right now. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, I think on a roster research there is no left-hander listed in the bullpen right now. So like, yeah, um, I think this is got is a good, got is a good get try to say that three times fast. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think right now we got to focus on trying to get a left-hander, I think in that bullpen to mix it up a little bit. So I think it's good. To, I think it's good to try to get that right-hander out of the way now. And like, we can focus on some other things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we definitely need to, we, we did our roster predictions. We both said last week, we need to get a left-hander. I think you proposed Matt Moore. I went with Andrew Chafin. I mean, those are those are guys that are going to be highly coveted in that market. So, I mean, if if Jerry's going this way with, like, getting Trevor Gott, I'm sure he's going to get a no-name uh, person that we're going to go, like, who is this guy? We're going to have to research him. And then he's going to come in and do big things. So, in Jerry, we trust in that. Um switching gears a little bit on the free agent market. I don't know if you got this feeling, Bo, like looking trade rumors, seeing all the, the um, people saying, Oh, the Mariners are interested in basically everyone from Trey Turner to someone in outfield. I feel like the Mariners have kind of switched like their focus. Like, yeah, they want to get a middle infielder. I, I don't feel that's their priority or, you know, just from reading certain stuff, I, I feel like they're trying to find a left fielder. I I don't know. There's just there seems to be a lot of outfielders on the market right now, and a lot of them seem to be good fits for the Mariners. 
and I, I feel like we just switched focus and we're going to find a left fielder. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I think we saw recently like they might be interested in Michael Conforto, which I think that was you know eventually gonna that was eventually gonna pop up. Um, but we also saw interested in Benintendi, mm-hmm. interested in Braden Nimmo, um, and I want to say this is kind of Jerry just doing like his due diligence, like he's checking in with I think everybody and trying to make a game plan for what his off season might be. Right, like. Um, you know, if they're checking in all these guys, if, you know, Benintendi and Nimmo or, um, you know, Benintendi and Nimmo and Conforto don't really have a strong, like, desire to come to the Mariners, maybe he needs to focus on maybe making a trade to get an outfielder right or going another way entirely. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think he's just, I think Jerry is going to be very active. We're, we're going to hear, like, these interest stories come out about almost every player because I think he's going to want to do anything and everything to make this team better. Yeah. And, um, like, I think that's going to mean um, he's going to have to know what he's in on, what he's out on, right, to kind of make the best deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he finds out that he's not, like, in on some of these guys, then he's going to have to go another route, right? Maybe he's going to pony up the money to get, like, a Brian Reynolds or somebody like that, right? But, um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about that? Do you think that that's just kind of Jerry just casting a wide net, or do you think that, you know, we're going to get some movement here soon on one of these guys. I think it means we're going to get movement. I mean, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of uh, possibilities. I mean, just look at the free agents. You got Nemo, you got Benintendi, you got Profar, Bellinger, Conforto, uh, I, Yoshida. I can't say his first name. Bo hit me with it. Masataka. Masataka, thank you. I was going to say Masashiro and I would have butchered it. Um, Masataka, Yoshida. And then, you know, knowing Jerry like to liking to do all those trades, you know, Santander from uh, the Orioles, Anthony Santander, Alex Verdugo from the Red Sox, Max Kepler from the Twins, Jake McCarthy from the Diamondbacks. And then, you know, of course, for the last two seasons, we've heard Brian Reynolds and uh, Randy Rosarina kind of being on the trade block. Those guys are all uh, at least somewhat available. You know, we might not see all those guys move. Um, but I, 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 have a feeling he's going to get something done soon. Um, just so we can focus on, you know, patching up that middle infield, whether it be signing one of the big name shortstops or, um, you know, signing at Adam Frazier and calling it a day, you know, um, something's got to give. And I feel like once he fills that hole, then we can switch our focus and, and focus on something else. But, uh, I don't know, just, just looking at the stories this week, it, it just feels like they completely shifted their focus. We went from the start of the offseason doing, you know, oh, yeah, they're going to get one of these four short stops. And we've heard less and less about that in the last couple weeks than we have, you know, them being in on all these outfielders. So, um, yeah, it just – it's got to be an outfielder we sign next. I mean – Yes, we got Tay Oscar, but some something tells me we're gonna figure out who's playing left field soon. So Yeah, we'll see. And I think it makes sense, right? Um you know, this time next week when we chat, the winter meetings will be in full force. Mm-hmm. Um so Jerry I think's doing a little bit of pre work on a lot of that. Maybe I mean 
very maybe we'll wrap up something next week in San Diego. Who knows, right? So I think that there's a lot of work going into that, and um, yeah, my my hope is we have you know breaking news when we're chatting next week because I think there's going to be a I think there's going to be a lot of things that go down kind of starting uh, starting next Sunday, kind of working all its way through on Wednesday. And that's that's what a lot of the baseball writers are kind of uh, mentioning is they think that it's going to get really heated up that hot stove's going to be burning come uh, winter meetings. You know, when all those owners get together or, you know, get together and, and they're doing their thing. I, I feel like a lot of deals are going to be worked out then, whether it be trades, whether it be free agents, all the like. So, you know, next week's probably going to be a better week to talk about that. So from there, we could probably move on a little bit. Right. Um, Bo kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier in the episode uh, this week, we're going to take a look at a couple of our division rivals. Um, when we were trying to figure it out, we figured we'd stay with kind of the geographical location. So this week we're doing the Texas teams next week. We're doing the California teams and Bo, you picked your favorite team to cover, not named the Mariners. So why don't you, uh, why don't you lead us off? Um, you got the world series champs. What, a uh, what do we know about them? Sure thing. So um, I'll just start by saying it's not a fun task to try to cover the Houston Astros um, just because, well, you know, use your imagination. Um, but uh, the the Astros are a very good baseball team. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, in 2022, I felt like they um, – they were probably, I would say, the most complete baseball team base team in baseball outside of the, the the Dodgers. I do believe the Dodgers are the were the most complete team in baseball last year, and um, just cannot figure out in the playoffs to save their lives. But um, <clears throat> the Astros, you know, offensively, defensively, on the pitching side of things, um, <clears throat> they were the most complete team. Mm-hmm. Um, I think to kind of recap, right, the Mariners went seven and twelve against the against the Astros last year. Um, let me see here. I think um, I think one of the big things for the for the Mariners going forward, and I think that when you look at the Astros, there are two. I think when you're going to try to beat the Astros, right, there are a couple of things you have to do, right. You have to take advantage of walks, and you have to basically out offense them, right. And the, that last part's really difficult to do. Um, but you know, the Astros statistically, in terms of wins above replacement, um, and a couple other metrics for you know measuring overall pitching effectiveness, like ERA. Um, filled in independent pitching, right? The Astros were the best team in baseball, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think the one, I think the one hitch in that, right, is fielding independent pitching measures how effective you basically are at controlling the three true outcomes in baseball, right? Strikeouts, walks, and home runs. Um, and the the Astros do two of those things better than one of those things, right? Um, the Astros strike out a number of players, right? Strike out a number of hitters yep. and they prevent a lot of home runs from being hit. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing that I would know is that um, for them being as good as they were in the ERA side and the wins above replacement, right? Uh, the Astros were 10th in baseball when it comes to walks per nine, right? So um, they were behind teams like the Orioles behind the Mariners in terms of just walks, right? 
Um, so where, where I'm kind of going with this is that I think the Astros do walk more than people, the Astros um, give more walks than people blink that they do, right? So you really have to take advantage of, of the walks that they're going to provide you, right? Mm-hmm. Um the the way I look at this is you can go you can go back to the to the Mariners game against the you know game one against the Astros right um, Joseph Verlander leads the game off with a walk against Julio Rodriguez Mariners get a couple timely hits and bring him around to score right mm-hmm. um, the Astros are going to give you up walks and it's just that the Astros are really good at playing defense the Astros have one of the best defensives in baseball. So when you hit a ball in play, some of them aren't going to get through, right? So that you can allow to kind of give up more walks when that occurs. Yeah. Um, and I think the big thing from from that from that perspective is just that you have to you have to take advantage of those walks when they give you them, and you have to be able to score at kind of those timely manners. Um, and I think it's it's going to be difficult to do that kind of going forward. But um, what I would say, and I, I kind of ask you, right, is um, Justin Verlander was pretty key to that team last year, right? Um, and to me, it kind of seems like it's, I, I don't want to say it's a slam dunk to bring Verlander back, but like I haven't really seen a lot about Verlander coming back, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you, I guess, what do you, do you think Verlander would, where do you think Verlander's going to go, I guess? And then. I'll kind of add in kind of why I think the Astros need him back. But like, do you think Ash, do you think there's a decent chance that he goes to the Astros or there are some other places that he might end up going to? I think there's a decent chance. Um, I think, you know, with him coming off another Cy Young award, he is 39, almost 40 years old. So, I mean, age isn't on his side, but I still think he's going to commend a command, a big contract. So I think it's going to come down to do the Astros want to lock him up? for another three, four years going into his age 43, 44 season, um, <clears throat> you know, and and hope that his production doesn't slip. Um, you know, a lot of these contracts that um, they are on right now, their pitching staff, they don't really, they're not big contracts. Framber Valdez, um, Luis Garcia, all those guys, they're going to need to get signed. So, I mean, do you go and lock him up and then potentially lose one of those guys later on when you know that they could be your future? Um, so I I could see that side of it. I, I I'm yeah. split like 50-50 on if he goes back to the Astros. I I think like a team like the Yankees or the Dodgers could come in and swoop him up um, for the right dollar amount. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I know you said though that you, you think he's going to come back. Or at least why he should come back, you know. Yeah, so I guess where I'm where I'm thinking of this is like, um, and I mean, you tell me. So I think that I just don't know if Framber Valdez is like true ace material. I guess that's where I'm going with this, right? Like Framber Valdez is currently penciled in as their number one starter, opening day starter. He would be your number one guy. Um, and maybe, you know, the Mariners hit him pretty well and did pretty well against him in the playoffs. I went back and watched a couple of his games against the Mariners this last year. He hit two batters in, like, the game that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a little bit all over the place. Like, he's, I mean, he's he's an overall pretty effective pitcher. Yes, he pitched 200 innings this year. He had a great ERA, 282. Um, but, uh, you know, still walks three batters per nine. Um you know, only strikes out about 8.6 batters per nine, which is still a good clip, but I just don't know if Framber Valdez um, is like 
my like Framber Valdez is not Luis Castillo, right? He's not Jacob Degrom. He's not, um, you know, he's not like Clayton Kershaw back in the day, right? Like he's not. Your, I don't wouldn't think that he's a true number one, right? So like that's kind of where I'm thinking. Like if this Astros team, you know, still wants to be the kings of baseball, right? Like I think they need to bring back a guy like Justin Verlander again because, um. Yeah, they were they were a moderately good pitching team in 2021, but Justin Verlander elevated that team to like another level in 2022. Um, that's kind of the way I feel about it. I mean, their their rotation isn't bad. Like you lose Ver- Verlander, you're not losing a lot. I mean, Lance McCullers Junior's uh, Junior is probably their number two behind Valdez. You got Urquidy, you got Christian Javier, and you got Luis Garcia. Um, you know, three pitchers I really think that any team would like to have, or you know, if you count Colt McCullers, four pitchers. So I, I think I would be good with Valdez being the number one pitcher and letting Verlander go. You know, but mm. you know, it's it's a long season too, and anyone can yeah. get hurt. You you got one of those guys hurt, or maybe two of those guys hurt. I mean, who do you got to come in? You know. None of the none of the bullpen guys, maybe Hunter Brown out of the bullpen could come in and be your fifth starter, um, but they they really have a pretty thin minor league system when it comes to pitchers. Do they not? They do, yeah. And uh, the the Astros are still, um, I would say they're still suffering from their kind of punishment that they got during the whole cheating scandal. Right? Isn't that the the farm system is still not. Um, overly stacked as it was in the years past, right? Hunter Brown is the, is the name that um, I think has a, has a likely chance of maybe cracking into this rotation at some point. Right. But um, there might be a couple other names like um, Yannigar Diaz, who I think might end up um, playing catcher in some capacity. Right. I know that there's been, there'll be continuous talk of like, you know, Wilson Contreras and yeah, there were, remember there was a whole deal. Wilson Contreras might end up going to the Astros during the summertime for Jose, your Um, but that, that kind of fell through. So there's going to be a lot of talk of, do they want to upgrade a catcher, et cetera there. Um, but Martin Mal- Maldonado kind of seems like the, the guy that all the pitching, all the pitchers love there. So I'm um, unsure on that one. Um, but uh, I guess what I'll, what I'll kind of kind of, I will kind of wrap it up with the pitching side of things is just that um, I think if you're going to beat the Astros, right, you have to take advantage of the walks. I don't think this pitching staff is going to be, I just don't think this pitching staff is going to be as good as it was in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, if they, if they bring back Verlander, I think that changes the game a little bit, but um, I think you're looking, you know, in terms of wins above replacement in 2021, they were 10th in baseball overall. Um, on the pitching side of things, um, I think they're going to finish, you know, I think if they don't bring back Verlander, they're going to finish probably somewhere between that one and 10, right. Somewhere in there. And maybe, yes, maybe you have, um, Luis Garcia gets a bigger breakout. Maybe Christian Javier has a bigger breakout, even though I'm a little skeptical that Christian Javier, uh, actually got a little quick stat here. I've got for pitchers that had a month, like had pitched a hundred innings. Okay. Um, Framber Valdez had the highest ground ball rate at 66%, mm-hmm. but Christian Javier had the lowest ground ball rate at 26% for pitchers that pitched a hundred innings. So, wow. um, 
it's a it's a little bit of a little bit of a um, you know two different stories two, stories of two different guys there. So Christian Javier, you know, I think doesn't put the ball on the ground a whole lot, right? So I think you could see his um, kind of home run rate go up a little bit, and I'll just kind of button up with the pitching side of things that I just think this team finishes between that, right? I don't think they're as good as they were in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, the, the cat, the big thing is that they were still weren't great in 2021 and they still won 95 games that year. So, um, uh, you know, regardless of, you know, this is still a pretty good rotation full of guys that are those two, three types. Right. And you can say that they've got five guys that fit into that two, three role pretty well. Um, yeah. and that's going to be a, that's going to be pretty formidable rotation still. And they still have Dusty Baker as a manager who, um, you know, it might have took him this long to get his first World Series title last year, but uh, you know, he's still a heck of a manager, and he's gonna he's gonna definitely probably bring out the best in those guys. Um, you know, he saw you saw what he did with Jeremy Pena coming up. You know, not a I wouldn't think he's too much of a Rookie of the Year candidate, but he did get a Gold Glove. You know, had a big postseason. Um, you know, pulled pretty good performances out of guys like Chaz McCormick. Um, you know, Kyle Tucker was kind of doing his thing, you know, and, and, you know, kind of got some turnaround on Brigman cause Brigman had a, uh, not so good season last year, a little down season last year. So, um, yeah, you know, they I, I think Dusty Baker's got to do, you know, got a lot to do with, um, the performance that that team is able to put out, um, especially last year. So, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And um, I think you, yeah, you mentioned a couple of guys there. Like their offense is still going to be pretty formidable, right? And now, especially with Jose Abreu coming on board, mm-hmm. um, kind of batting in that cleanup role for the team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, in my notes, I kind of thought that the offense. I don't want to say it was on the. I, they had a really good season. I thought they might be. They needed a couple of pieces to kind of pick it up a little bit, because um, mm-hmm. they they weren't quite of as like I think their overall value declined from twenty twenty one to twenty twenty two. You know, Alex Bregman has never really gotten back to like what everybody kind of thought Bregman was going to be. Right, like. Um, Bregman's tw- and Bregman in twenty eighteen and twenty nine looked like looked like a first ballot Hall of Famer. Like um, he was uh, he was just awesome in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, um, and then his production declined from then. So you can you can uh, you know imagine whatever was going on in twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen. Something may have changed. You you I'll leave you to your own devices there to um, to wonder what was happening in those two seasons. Why he was so good. Um, but, uh, he, uh, yeah, Bregman's a guy that is still going to be pretty good this year. Maybe not as good as he was in former years. Um, I think unfortunately for Mariner fans, um, the two curse words that are going to come out of my mouth, um, here pretty quickly is going to have a MVP run pretty soon. Um, and that's Jordan Alvarez. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he has, uh, you know, we talk about baseball savant all the time, right. Which just measures, you know, percentiles of where you are in terms of your batted ball profile and, um, Jordan Alvarez is, is bright red. It's 95 percentile plus and average exit velocity and max exit velocity and everything you can imagine. Um, he just has the, he just had a hitter's profile and he's just the best in the game at doing it. Um, and, uh, I know Jeremy Pena, right. World series MVP and 
Um, you know, who am I to say, you know, that he's, uh, not as good as, um, not as good as the numbers. Right. But, um, you know, Jeremy Pena in the second half of the season was not very good. Um, no, you know, Jeremy Pena, I thought like to start off the year, he was, he was doing so well that I thought he was, you know, kind of running away with the rookie of the year award. Right. Um, but, uh, in the second half of the season, um, was just not very good whatsoever. Right. 243 average. 267 on base percentage with a 287 weighted on base percentage average, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he had an 86 weighted runs created. So he was, you know, 14 points behind like a league average um, shortstop, right? Or a shortstop or an average player, right? Um, so I, uh, I'm, I don't want to say I'm, I'm fully skeptical, right? Because yes, he did have a phenomenal postseason. I get that. But like, um, I don't know. I'll uh, I'll be curious to see how how Pena's offensive numbers are where he ends up in the lineup because I just I'm skeptical with the second half of last season that he's going to be able to keep up what we saw in the postseason. But um, you know the big thing for him is he's just uh, he's just a phenomenal shortstop uh, defensively. So mm-hmm. he'll find a place there, but I'm skeptical of his offensive value kind of continuing overall. Um, but I think to beat the Astros, right, the team that I think did the best against the Astros last year was the was the Blue Jays. And I'd say the Blue Jays had the best um, offense in baseball or the best offense in the AL anyways last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so in certain year games, you're just going to have to out-offense them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is easier said than done, right? Um, the Mariners had um, – let me pull it up here real quick. So the Mariners went 7-2 uh, and two in games in which they hit seven or more hits against the Astros last year, right? Mm-hmm. So um, – it's just you. You got to hit them. You got to get to them, and you got to get people in play, right? Um, and when you do that, it's going to give you the best chance to do it. But um, you know, uh, the other ones were, um, I guess that were that was all the Mariners' wins. The Mariners had their seven wins on when they hit the ball the most against the Astros, which mm-hmm. sounds like a dumb statement, but like you're just going to have to out offense them on times in which they're just not walking hitters or um, you know not hitting guys right. That's the best way you're going to beat the Astros, um, and. Uh, there's, the Mariners going to have a tall task next year. I think that they're going to improve a little bit on that kind of win-loss percentage against the Astros, but um, they're still absolutely going to be the number one team to beat um, in the AL next year. Yep. Yep. Um, they, I'm not I'm not putting this out there. Let's knock on wood. But they, they definitely will be in contention for the World Series title again. Um, you know, they're, they're just that good. And uh, we can we can hope as Mariners fans that Depoto you know does his thing and and brings in enough offense and uh, I, I think the pitching's there so bring in enough offense to to beat this team because like you were saying Bo we're we're at our best when we can out offense them so um yeah so that's that's the Astros that's the outlook on them um. Bo had the Astros this week. I took Texas. You know, we, we stayed kind of geographical location. Um, you know, Texas uh, didn't have a great season last season. Um, looking at their baseball reference page, uh, they were fourth in the AL West, 68-94 record. Um, they fired their manager, Chris Woodward, after he went 51-63. and And then his replacement, uh, Tony Beasley, I went 17 and 31 the rest of the way. 
They fired their president of baseball operations, John Daniels, um, and brought in Chris Young. Um, Bo, I, I, I mentioned this to you earlier that Chris Young was a Mariner at one point. Do you know what year he was a Mariner? Well, you mentioned MVP baseball, 2004, 2005, and I remember Chris Young on that game, but I don't think he was a Mariner. No. Um, he was probably on the Padres with, then. But. I'm going to go with 2000, 2007. You were not even close. 2014 is when he was with the Mariners. He went 12-9, and nine, had a 3.65 ERA. He signed that one-year deal, and we thought, oh, you know, bring him back. He's a he's a good good starter. Next season he went to, I'm pretty sure, the Royals. So um so yeah, but he is now the GM slash president for twenty twenty three. Um I, I don't know how good of a pickup that's gonna be. Um just because you don't usually see former players take roles like that and when you do they uh they don't last. Um you know historically but um yep so 68 94 chris young coming in um they play in globe life park which is a new park um i feel like they swindled uh the city they play in down there to get a new stadium so um you know kind of like how do you atlanta did yeah that, uh what was it four seasons ago so but yeah. what were you going to ask? How do you feel about, yeah. How do you feel about, uh, I get the sense from the Rangers that like they are, well, so they had a world series played in their ballpark in 2020 and they, they didn't play in that world series. Absolutely. Um, and then Aaron judge, hits his 62nd home run there mm-hmm. this year. Um, and now they think they've got an all-star game announced for him in a couple of years. So like three things that are pretty big, but like have nothing to do really with the Rangers. Right. <laughs> like, um, just kind of funny. I think, yeah, They're, it's, it's funny. And we're going to get into it. I'm, I'm going to bring up their, their 2022 roster. They made big, big splashes on the offensive side of the baseball last season and still ended up, you know, 30 game, 38 games out of, the lead in AOS, you know, 68, 94 record wasn't great. You know, their biggest win streak of the year was four games. Longest losing streak, nine games. Um, they were part of the winning streak that the Mariners had going into the all-star break. You know, they picked up those three big wins in Texas, um, you know, and, and, you know, speaking of which the Mariners, you know, they were five and 14 against the Mariners, you know, that, that's not a great record, you know, for them. And it, it kind of, it, it was all downhill. They didn't have a good April. They kind of picked it back up in May, had a so-so June. And then July, August and September, they fell off the wagon. September, they went eight and 19. They did pick up one win against the Mariners towards the end of the season. Um, a five, nothing victory. I think it was the 28th of September. Um, that was the last one against the Mariners. Mariners took two or three from that series. So I mean, just just overall, not a great, um, great season for Texas, uh, it, and it's wild because, like I said, they they brought in all this offense, and they they you know you can kind of debate with me a little bit, Bill, if you want to, but 
I think their offense was not the the problem here. I mean, they brought in Corey Seager. They brought in Marcus Simeon. Nathaniel Lowe, um, you know, continues to improve day by day. And they had guys like Mitch Garver and Adolis Garcia. So, I mean, I, I think a lot of their problems came from their pitching staff. So. Yeah, I think from the... The pitching staff is just kind of a bunch of kind of cobbled together guys. It feels like where they kind of, I don't know, they brought in like John Gray and Martin Perez. I mean, Martin Perez was pretty good this year, but it just never really felt, um, I guess, cohesive, right? Like I just never really felt like you were, there was never a pitcher where you were watching a Mariner game and you're facing the Rangers and you're like, oh, Mariner's going to have a tough time today, right? Like it just yep. never felt that way with the Texas at all. And I'm trying to remember, I think we were talking a little bit before that like it kind of seems like Texas has always been kind of um, a little suspect on the pitching side, right? Like I think you mentioned in 2011, um, kind of the rotation that they had there when they went to the World Series really didn't have a whole lot of big names either. So they've always kind of maybe done this on the pitching side, but mm-hmm. it's just not it's just not a pitching staff that like, um, yeah, it's going to strike a lot of fear into teams, I guess. That's yeah. kind of my perspective on them. Yeah, no, and I'm, I'm looking at their depth chart right now. Uh, John Gray, Jake Odorizzi, Martin Perez. So that would be, you know, one, two, three with Martin Perez probably being your number one. But then they also have guys like Dane Dunning, Cole Reagans, and, and Glenn Otto um, that can come in and, and start games. So, like, that's not, that's not a great staff. And then on the relief side of things, you Jose Leclerc, maybe like out of their bullpen. Other than that, you guys, you got guys like Joe Barlow, Brett Martin, Brock Burke, Taylor Hearn, Josh Sorbs. Um, not not great, not great. You know, I just said all those names, and I could tell Bo's going who, who, you know. So yeah, there's a lot of who go. You you sound like an owl over there, my friend. Um, yeah, no, like uh. And I guess I would also argue that we were talking about how bad the pitching is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like, I just, uh, I, I think that, like, the hitting has not been great either, right? Like, I think that they did not come close to what, like, they wanted out of Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon, right? Like, what they wanted to get out of those two guys. Um, it's super troubling to see, like, how poor those guys i mean I and mean, they still you know i think statistically right you're, you're weighted on base percentages and everything else like played pretty well Corey seager simeon right mm-hmm. still not to like the levels that they certainly expected them to right like um i i really think you know in in regards to simeon um i kind of watched the last part of his season um and he really picked it up in september um, was probably one of the best players in baseball in September. I don't know if there was an adjustment period. I mean, he got that big contract and came in and really did not have a great three months, you know, and then August, September, he picked it up. So I wonder if there was an adjustment period. Um, you know, he still finished the season with 26 home runs. I mean, I I thought he was going to regress anyways. You know, last season he hit, or two seasons ago, uh, he uh, got the record for um, most home runs by an AL second baseman. So like 
there was there was no room to go up. There was definitely room to regress. And I mean, he hit two forty eight last season, eighty three RBIs. So I mean, yeah, the offense wasn't great. Um, you know, coming from Simeon. Uh, let's take a look at Seager real quickly. Seager, two forty five, thirty three home runs, eighty three RBIs. So very, very similar to Simeon. Um, yeah. So their offense, at least average wise, wasn't wasn't very great. Um, except for Nate Lowe, you know, who I know you put in the show notes, uh, can he, can he stay consistent? Um, I, I want to throw that question at you. Do you think Nate Lowe can continue his upward trend, you know, going forward? Um, so I think there, I think a big thing is that, um, so yes, he did bat 339, 400 OBP in the second half of the season. But his batting average in balls in play was north of 400, right? Which that just screams to me that he's um, he's due for a little regression, right? Um, so I think that uh, kind of what we got out of him in 2021, right, is a little bit more um, aligned to what maybe a little bit a little bit higher on the 2021 line than we saw in the second half of last season, which the 2021 line was. Still pretty good, right? He uh, hit 264, 357, 415 slug with 18 home runs. So um, I think there's a chance that he probably improves upon that, but I don't think it comes near to kind of what we saw in the second half of last year. But, um, you know, if he's uh, if he's hitting well and Corey Seager and Simeon kind of figure out what they're, you know, kind of get back to where they were, right, um, then the Rangers could be talking about something offensively. But I still just – I'm still having a hard time pegging this team as – this is still a pedestrian kind of mediocre average, um, however you want to put it, less than average um, offensive team to me, right? And you couple that with um, the pitching side of things, and it's just um, I don't know. I, I just it's tough to me to understand kind of what the Rangers, what the Rangers. I know what the Rangers are trying to do, right? They're they're trying to I don't know be the thorn in everybody's side, but it's just. Um, it's a difficult team to peg down. I guess that's what I'm trying to say of like what they're trying to do, what they're trying to get out of it. And I know they're trying to build a winning team, but I just question if this is the right way to go about it. Would you say that the pirates of the AL with, with teams that you like have absolutely no idea of what they're doing, you know? Yeah. But the, the, uh, the Rangers actually spend money. So you can, you can, you can credit the Rangers for that. that The Rangers (laughs) are actually trying to spend money to make their team better. Um, the Pirates' largest free agent contract was like Francisco Liriano for like twenty-eight million dollars or something like that. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, I guess at least the Rangers are trying. I just wonder if they've kind of misjudged, um, misjudged their time right now. I just think that like they obviously aren't respecting the Mariners enough to say like, oh, they're because that's obviously the team that they're going for, right? Like they're not going to catch up to the Astros. Yeah, they're obviously not respecting us enough. Um, obviously not respecting the angels enough, which probably is warranted, but like, um, I just, uh, and maybe the, maybe the Rangers break out, but I just feel like this is a team that has misjudged their, their time and place right now. I just feel like they should have gone rebuild, um, full on rebuild. Absolutely. And I think that, I think they might be in a, at least a better spot. I know that like they built that ballpark for, and they got screwed over by COVID and everything else and all that. But like, um, I just think this team has misjudged their time and place right now. No, absolutely. And and they do have a very, very decent um, 
minor league system. They got Josh Young, um, who's number one in their minor league system, third baseman, saw some time up in the major league, um, the major league level. Uh, top 15, depending on where you look at, he slots in anywhere from 15 to about 35 um, in the top 100 prospects. So, I mean, um, you know, he's, he's got a lot of potential. You got Jack Leiter, Owen White, and Cole Wynn, three big pitchers that I know you brought up before. Um, we, we could be seeing two, maybe all three of them at the major league level. Um, and then, you know, looking further down their list, they've got Justin uh Foscue and Kamel Rocker. I mean, I, I I just don't see why they spent all this money last season when you know you're you're not gonna invest in your pitching or you know it should have just been rebuild time, you know. Um, so I, I think you hit the nail on the head there with you know. I guess the question should be why did you go and spend that money when you know you probably aren't gonna be a competitive team. You're you're at least three, four, five years out. Yep, and uh, I and I think they're trying to they're trying to you know expedite that timeline right there, and I just wonder if it's I just wonder if that's you know really the smartest move. I think to expediting that timeline a little bit more. I think my question to you is, um, uh, they've certainly been. I think everybody's been saying like, oh, Degrom would be a good fit there, right? I don't mm-hmm. really know if there's been any rumors about Degrom going to like a true like, you know, trade rumors, interest rumors, etc. Like Degrom there, um, if they add a guy like Degrom, right, um, or Rodon for that matter, right? Does that make them? Where does that put them? Right? Does that put them? Does that post still put them a couple games behind the Mariners? Like, where does that end up putting them? I, I, I think it still puts them behind the Mariners. They are a team, again, and, and we can keep beating this dead horse, they need an overhaul in their pitching staff. I have no doubt that their offense can help lead that team um, and, and, and be the focal point, but when you don't have a pitching staff behind it, you know, and, and, it's, and it's not just going to be bringing Rondon or DeGrom and – our pitching staff is fine. It's going to need a complete overhaul from top to bottom. You got to hope that maybe two of those three prospects, you know, Cole Wynn, Owen White, and Jack Leiter, two of those three work out. And then, you know, you got to bring some bullpen arms, um, you know, because again, you're, you're looking at the bullpen and, and all you, all that gets brought up is who, who is this? And, and I know a couple times, like you said, Watching Mariners play Texas, like they brought these guys in, and I'm like, oh, we can get a home run off of them. And then Julio goes and mashes a ball, or Cal Raleigh, or, you know, Sam Haggerty at one point, you know? So I don't think one, I don't even think two pitchers is going to make a difference. They're still, in terms of talent, are going to be behind the Mariners. Okay. Okay. Well, let me ask, let me ask you this. So the Mariners, um, so there's a new scheduling format in 2023, right? Where um, the CBA and the players and the owners kind of came together and said, like, we're going to make the schedule a little more fair and a little more even, right? Um, So the Mariners aren't playing the same number of games against the Astros, the Rangers they did in 2022, 
Um, so they're going to play 13 games against the Rangers in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's say the Ranger, you know what? Let's say the Rangers add Jacob to Jacob DeGrom. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. just say they just say they add Jacob DeGrom. Okay. Um, given that, right. How many of those 13 games or what's the record the Mariners have against the Rangers in 2023 for, for the 13 games that they play them? Uh, before I answer that, I, I do think with the new scheduling system, it benefits us in terms of, we're not playing the Astros as much. I think mm-hmm. we are not getting benefited when it comes to playing Texas. Cause again, we were 14 and five against Texas last year, you know, so some of those wins are going to have to come against different teams. With that being said with Texas, I still think we're going to be over 500. Um, I, I can certainly see uh, the Mariners winning nine games against them next season, nine out of 13 going nine and four. You know, I, I think that's completely reasonable. And again, it's a long off season that certainly could change, you know, probably not much. Like I said, with them having overhaul, overhaul their, their pitching staff, but I mean, um, you know, it, it's certainly worth it against the Astros. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I just hope that we go 500 against the Astros or are near 500 because you can't be a true 500 playing 13 games. So seven and nine, nine and seven, or seven and nine, that's 16 games. Um, six and seven, seven and six, you know, like certainly reasonable against the Astros. If we have an under 500 record against the Astros, I don't think it's going to be by much. But, uh, you know, Texas definitely, I can see us taking eight, nine, ten games from Texas next season. You know, they're they're definitely not the worst in the division. I think that that goes to Oakland, um, but the, they're certainly one of the bottom dwellers right now. So yeah, I think it'll be you know I think we're gonna cover we're gonna cover I think the Angels next week, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can make you know well we can try to predict the AOS. I think when we get closer to the beginning of the year and closer to the season, right? But. I think the question might be the. I think the Angels have actually made some kind of decent under the radar moves, right? And I think that, I think that the Rangers really need to be thinking about the Angels, and that's the team that they need to surpass first, because yeah, um, I think the Angels are going to be the Angels are going to be pretty close there with the Rangers next year. So, mm-hmm. um, so we'll see. We'll see between those two teams what uh, kind of who wins the offseason against them, and you know if that puts them over the top of the other one. What, what do what do you think? You think we, um, what what do you think about you? I'm posing the same question to you. You just post me. You you think we go over 500 against Texas next season? I think we go over 500 against Texas next year. So 13 games. Um, I'm gonna give us uh, I'm gonna give us a nine and four record against the against Texas Rangers next year. Okay. Okay. How about the Astros? So the Astros, <clears throat> we went seven and twelve against them. We went seven and twelve against them in twenty twenty one, right? Um, so let me see. So a, <clears throat> it may not sound great, but um. It's still an improvement, like on the percentage rate. I'm gonna go. 
I'm going to give us a five and eight record against the Astros next year. Okay. That's reasonable. Again, we got to, I think it's going to benefit us playing less games against them mm-hmm. because we're going to yep. get, we're going to go be able to pick up those wins that we couldn't get against them against the other teams. You know, so I, I certainly think that benefits us um, in that, that aspect, you know, and, and again, it's a long off season. The Mariners can make moves where we might switch that. You know, Texas can make moves and we might switch that. You know, Texas probably needs a, a corner outfielder and someone that could play, um, you know, probably third base. They're, they're kind of set at every other position. If they make a couple of those moves, they might pick up a win or two, you know, here and there in my predictions, you know. So, yeah, it playing the Texas teams just overall, it, it's going to be interesting next season, you know, and I, I'm – Less intrigued by Houston because we know what they're going to do, you know, being one of the best teams in baseball, and that pains me to say. Um, But, um, you know, it certainly uh, is going to be fun to watch and see what Texas does to kind of see what what they're going to bring to the table going forward next season and and try to improve on, you know, what they did last offseason by signing Seager and Simeon. So, Yep, agreed. And, um Yep, I just uh, yeah, we'll see how the Rangers played out. Um, again, I thought they were a team that um, they're trying to make up for maybe lost time, right? Um, and uh, we'll see how it all plays out for them. Yep, yep. Well, that was uh, that was it for our uh, breakdown of the Texas teams in our division in the AL West. One one other thing before um, you know we we get to closing the show, Bo. Um, was Texas without looking? Was the Texas Rangers better home or better away? Uh, I'll go away. That was a trick question. They went thirty-four and forty-seven at home, and they went thirty-four and forty-seven on the road. So they won just as many games at home as they did on the road. Darn! I know. Anyways, that's what we uh that's what we got for this show this week. Um, next week we're like Bo and I said earlier, uh, we are going to be talking about the California teams. So I get the unfortunate task of picking the Angels, and Bo will be uh doing a little research on the Oakland A's. Um, Bo, I know you. Uh, I I feel like you're kind of indifferent when it comes to Oakland just because of who their uh, general manager is. Yeah, Oakland. Um, Oakland should be Oakland should be fun. There should be a there should be. I think there'll be a fun baseball team next year. So, um, we'll see. I don't really know. Um, spoiler: I think the Mariners are going to beat the A's pretty soundly next year, but mm-hmm. um, they may still have some pieces that surprise us and um, you know give us uh, give us a little tough time next year. So. Still an interesting ball club. Um, you know, they're always kind of got, they're always kind of trying new things and doing different things over there with the A's. So I'm uh, looking forward to diving deep into, deeper into them. I, I think, Bo, I'm going to root for uh, Brett Boone's son-in-law or future son-in-law, Nick Allen. I think, I think he's a surefire bet to be an all-star next season. <laughs> Just because yeah. he's Brett Boone's son-in-law. Keep on wishing, my friend. Keep on wishing. <laughs> yeah. Um, Bo, before we go, did you have a uh, trivia question this week? Are we, 
We holding off another week on that. Uh, we're gonna hold off one more week, and then we're gotta come up with a good one. So we'll hold off one more week. So okay. gird your loins. Yep. Well, I could. I definitely could have did the trivia with the Texas Rangers home and away splits, but uh, you know, I I know you come up with a lot better questions for that. So um, we will wait with zen-like patience until next week. You know, fully expected to uh, have a question ready for next week. So. That's good. <laughs> any uh, anything else before we go, Bo? What you got? Any words of wisdom? Uh, in Jerry we trust. Um, I uh, in Jerry we trust. Justin, I'm glad you're there, but um, in Jerry we trust and uh, keep refreshing that trade rumors and um, <clears throat> we'll just see what happens. But other than that, that's all I got. Awesome, awesome. Well, for all our listeners in the Puget Sound, Pacific, Northwest, and beyond, thank you again for taking time to listen to another edition of the Forks Down podcast. Um, you know, we'll be back next week with the Angels and the Oakland A's, a little overview on them. And then uh, we got some fun stuff planned for the weeks ahead. So for Bo Chisholm, I'm Rick Clark, and we'll see you guys next week on the Forks Down podcast. Mm-hmm.